Um, that seems to have been repeating for the last couple days and will repeat until Tuesday. So put your booties on, campers. It's cold outside. So, you guys have a good week? Yeah. Uh, lots, of, lots of praise the Lord about. It was just an awesome blessing to, to even take time, even today, in the cold wasteland <laughs> right now that it is to to study to to take time as we talked about in Sunday school to show ourselves approved unto God to be a workmanship rightly a worker rightly dividing the word of truth you know, that is that is our call to to not judge well hey you know they they know more than the bible of the bible than me or you know they they don't or something you know it's not a not a judge thing it's it's that we would show ourselves approved to the Lord, that we would come together and uh, individually, or that we would come together corporately to know this. We need this, as Johnny Five says, need input, right? We need input, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can tell there's some fans here. Um, <laughs> we need it to walk with the Lord. We need it like the air we breathe, like the food we take in for energy. We need to abide in Christ. Jesus says it like this. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The point of the illustration is this. Just as branches that are not connected with the vine produce nothing. So a believer who doesn't abide with Christ will not be fruitful. If we stay in the word, if we ask questions, if we struggle with our doubts, if we deal with the worldviews that are in us and in the world outside of us, we need to know the word. We need to know Jesus. Paul states it like this. We, right? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against Christ, against the knowledge of God, and take captive, every thought captive to obey Christ. Sorry, I totally butchered that. Let me read it again. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every captive, every thought captive to obey Christ. Everything. Our shows, our books, the news we listen to. We can see that the world has arguments in it. They're there. They, they argue for this cause. They are apologists in their own way, not apologizing for what they mean. The, it means to make a defense. They make a defense for their worldview, for their ism, for their theology. It's everywhere. And yet the best way to combat them is to read this book. No, <laughs> oh, to read this book, right? To know the truth. Right? You don't have to get out the big old, you know, dinosaur like if you want to, you can read them. You can borrow them too. They're fun. But we need to know the truth. Because as we saw last week, it is the truth. It is the person who embodies truth that sets us free. 
And in that, we are able to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that's not just done alone, right? Individually, we can, we can be about that. We can study the word, but we need each other. As the proverb states, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We cannot Lone Ranger it. Even Lone Ranger had Tonto, right? So the saying doesn't work, right? But it's, you know, it's one of those. Yes, we are in Christ. We are a saint. But few books are written in the New Testament to an individual. There's a few of them. Most books are written in the New Testament that are living to the saints, that are living in the here and there, that are dealing with the struggles in this or that sin. Some letters are saying, knock it off. Other ones are saying, hey, you're doing good. Keep on going, right? All these letters are encouragement, are, are goading, are encouraging us to, one, to love one another and to be a workmanship for Christ, for the glory of God. Now let's start in a word of prayer before we turn in Scripture. <clears throat> Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for your mercies new every morning. Thank you for the warm houses that we have, that we are able to just have shelter and food and just the breath of air. Thank you so much, Lord, for your revealed word, that we can specifically and clearly know how we ought to live, that we, we ought to meet these standards that as, as John has laid out, how do, we, how do we live in this household that we are now a part of? What are the house rules? And all that and more as we go into this book. Well, Lord, we just thank you for this time that we can come and fellowship and study and pray together and, and lift up praises to you of just the amazing things that you have done. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Rid us of our distractions of, of what has happened, what's going to happen all of our worries and stuff, our cares, that we would focus upon you, Lord, and focus upon your word in this time together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, please turn in your Bibles with me to uh, John, sorry, 1 John chapter 1. And it's funny, even after preaching books, I say John, and I'm like, I... I'd pursue it again. Yeah, it's awesome. You guys might get a little bored, though. What We did this a couple years ago. <laughs> uh, there's always something, something else that pops out every time you study. So it wouldn't be boring. Because it's living and active, right? Well, we'll be in uh, 1 John chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through 10. John writes this. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, 
he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's a, an amazing thing in this first chapter of John. You see two, two measures of, you know, the gospel of John is the evangelistic gospel that's brought in the whomsoever. You know, the whomsoever believes upon Christ and they receive righteousness. And this is the first measuring stick that you saw in the first couple of verses in verses one through four is joy. Do you, do you see that eyewitnessship, right? That the apostles have seen Christ live Christ died. John saw him speared in the side and blood and water poured out. And then three days later, he was alive, walking and talking, and he wasn't a ghost. He ate and had breakfast with them and ascended to heaven. And that's the joy that we hold. That's the first measuring rod, right? The second one comes in here and points to us believers of what is the next standard? What are, what are we seeking after? We're walking in the light of a perfect and holy God. John wants to make this point that we as believers are to walk in light, the light of God's revelation, and we are to know God's standard. We are to acknowledge it and walk in it. John makes this a tall order because it is the very expression of who the Lord is. Starting in verse 5, he states this, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. As we saw it, we saw last week that John is this eyewitness. We you know, kind of went through his life story and, and everything of just like seeing what he saw and being called by Jesus to seeing Jesus cry out, it is finished, to saying, peace be with you as he appears in the room with them. I mean, just amazing, amazing things. That Christ Jesus is God in the flesh. And this message rings out that the apostles heard it, saw it, touched it, knew him, and now they proclaim it. They tell it to everyone else that God is light and in him there is no darkness. The announcing of the message starts with this. God is perfect. He is holy he is righteous and pure. James, the half-brother of Jesus, actually states it like this in his letter. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, which whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Amazing, perfect, holy. And Jesus says, states this to the woman at the well. He says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. As we touched in last week, is that hypocrisy is not welcome in the household, right? You know, that's, that's a big thing, you know, that, you know, it's been written on. There's a lot of books published of like what the world thinks about, you know, Christianity. But, you know, John is like, no, this is what God thinks about the household, right? You know, it's, this is what we are to be. We are to not have hypocrisy we are not to be shiny plastic people that's not what the church should be we should do this as paul states in romans let love be genuine 
abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. We should be genuine. And I, I always like Googling things, right? You know, let's, let's get this out there. Let's like kind of spread it out and see what does that mean? Let's be authentic, sincere, real, actual, right? I like that one. Valid or sound. As opposed to the opposite, which was my favorite word of the day, bogus. Right? Don't be bogus, man. You know, that's not... Right? Tell me to calm it down, Tanya. Right? <laughs> don't be bogus. Why? Because God isn't. God isn't bogus. God is authentic. God is sincere. He's genuine. He is who he is. I am who I am. It's kind of a clarifying statement. You know, I am who I am, is what he says to Moses. John goes on in verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. You know, say we, we say one thing and, and do another, right? Say we're, we're hypocrites. We don't, we say it. We don't like Walmart. And yet we, we go to that friend's house that, oh, they, they hate Walmart. And you, you're in their pantry and there's great value stuff everywhere. You're like, dude, what? I actually have a friend that he, he would literally go into the garden department and pretend like he was in another store. It's, it, he's a funny guy. But I was, we were visiting. It doesn't feel like Walmart if you go in the garden. I know, right? It's, yeah, that's what he actually said. And it's just like, you know, we were making fun of him. He's, you know, they're up in Minnesota now. And I, we were in there and, oh, great value cream cheese. What's going on in this house? And, oh, don't read that label. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's it, we just you know it's a fun it's a fun one um you know we must walk in the light not darkness hopefully jake's okay with me using him as an illustration <laughs> sorry buddy <laughs> we must not lie but be about practicing the truth jesus states it like this walk Walk while you have light. Least the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. There is no neutral ground. We actually talked a little bit about that in Sunday school. It is walk in the light or be overcome by darkness. You cannot have two masters. You must choose one. We should not think we can partner righteousness with lawlessness, light with darkness, or Christ with idols. And Paul actually tells the church of Corinth that. Don't think this way. It's un... You can't do it. It's an unpossibility. We must walk in the light... And practice the truth. Because whoever does what is true comes to the light. So that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. That is the dividing line. You know, one friend of mine up in Bible college, sorry, Bible camp back in the day in Montana. He said that First John is this big, bold line between the believer and the world. 
And these are the big bold lines that you see drawn is that this is a difference. This is a dividing line between believers and the world. Jesus points it out. He says, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, least his works should be exposed. Right? The church confesses. You know, we agree, right? That's what confession means, to agree with God. And we are sinners, yet Christ Jesus is a great Savior. The world hides its sin. Well, let us not hide. Let us not lie. Let us come to the true light and know we are forgiven. That's the amazing part of it. Brings amazing blessings. Seen in verse 7. As John goes on and writes this, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. One another. Making up words here, right? We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, if we abide in Christ, if we confess to him our need, then we will be cleansed. You know, think about, you know, being a kid, right? You know, you break a lamp. What do you do? Mom, Dad, broke this thing. You know, you don't want, no. <laughs> you hide it, right? <laughs> you put it somewhere where Mom and Dad won't find it. You know, hiding a broken bone won't heal it. We have to bring it into the light, no matter what the consequences but here, the consequences are good, where in our mind, consequences are always a bad thing, right? You know, it's like, ah, there's consequences. I'm like, yeah, you know, there's good consequences and bad consequences, but we always kind of, you know, it's easy to focus on negative things. It's like, wait, if I, if I read my Bible and pray to God, I'll, ooh, <laughs> instead of, oh, if I don't, you know, we're, oh, man, I'm, I messed up and everything. Yeah, that, that happens, right? That happens. But it's like in keeping the slow and steady, the daily tasks, you know, just keep on keeping on, right? To pick up our cross daily and follow Christ leads to good consequences. Your mom and dad will be outraged. That was my favorite lamp. How dare you? You know, the broken bone being set is going to hurt, but then it will heal it will heal rightly. Hiding such brokenness, such hurt, will not fix the problem. It will only make it much more worse. It will fester. Where when we come to God and we come clean to God, we are cleansed. How beautiful that is. We're not, ah, I don't need you, right? <laughs> he wants all of us. He wants all of us to come home. To him. That's why he calls out, Adam, where are you? It's a long start of a search for all of humanity that he sends a son to come and find us all, to die upon the cross and to rise three days later, to be lifted up for all mankind to come to him and be cleansed. In Jesus, we are given fellowship with the community and with God. And I love how John ends it with from all sin, right? From all sin, not just the itty bitty ones. No, every single one. Huge, great, massive sins. Everything you can think of, everything 
Say what? Yeah, everything you don't want to think of. He, Jesus, can and will cleanse us from our sin. And praise the Lord, right? It's okay. We can say hallelujah here, right? <laughs> hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are called to walk in the light of the Lord. We are to cover yourselves with light as a garment. I love that. That's Psalm 104, verse 2. I was like, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Through Christ, we can approach the only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one alone who has immortality, yeah, everlasting life, who dwells in unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen, we can have fellowship with the Father through the Son. Because of Jesus, we are redeemed through his blood. We are forgiven our trespasses. And therefore, we are able to purify our dead works and serve a living God. Right? One of the songs made me think of in Ephesus. All those witchcraft books. Luke counts up the money that it would have cost to buy them. They burned them, right? We cast down our idols and we serve the living and true God. For Christ Jesus alone is worthy. For he is the slain lamb of God come to ransom the people for God. And this is how we conquer. We conquer through him who loves us. John goes on. In verse 8, he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Have you ever been lost? No. Yeah, I was like, nobody, just me. <laughs> Come on, admit it, it's okay. <laughs> this is a safe space. <laughs> Yo, I've had that experience as a child. You know, we can't find mom and dad, and the panic sets in. But thankfully, you're found, right? But have you ever been lost? Because this is the one I know. I've been there too. I've been at both places. <laughs> and you refuse to ask for directions? Yeah. Just go for it, man. There was a good, there, there was a good home improvement one about that. Where he just keeps on driving. He ends up at the same gas station. Wait, what? No, you went the wrong way, mister. <laughs> you know, it's the husband who says we're fine. And then three hours later runs out of gas and still won't ask for help. It's actually from that episode. Right? <laughs> now, this is a good illustration at the point of where humanity is. We don't like to be exposed for who we are and what we really are. We don't like labels. Well, we kind of do, but we don't like these labels. Sinner, lost, rebel, broken, unable. And we want to be the humanity that can rise above what has overcome us. But we are overwhelmed by sin. And it clearly wants us 
and we want it. We are willing to choose rebellion because we want to call the shots. We want to make the rules. This is actually a, a basic statement for humanism. Apparently I googled a lot for this one. <laughs> humanism is the fundamental belief that humans are oriented towards the good. This statement and those like it can be expounded upon to society makes sinners. Or the environment they grew up in makes the person. We hear it more clearly than ever now. That everyone is a victim of circumstances. And this worldview, as we've seen even in our own society, has replaced human responsibility with victimhood. It is a powerful force in our, in our day and age where genuine college students are on camera being like, hey, how are you oppressed today? You know, why would you live in America? Oh, no, I would go live over here because America is oppressive and I don't feel safe. And then they interview someone that's actually from one of those countries and he's like in love with America because he's not oppressed. He's not beaten in school. And it's just a powerful force. It's a powerful force in this day and age where everyone believes they are owed something. And the truth is, we are owed something. We're owed the truth. This is a deception. This is a lie. Yes, there are factors there for all of us, and we have to deal with the society and the environment that we have grown up in. We have to deal with those things, but our choices are still our own. The Bible makes it clear that humanity is created in the image of God. We are all of value. How amazing is that statement? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But this happened. Humans faced the consequences of Adam's and Eve's actions in the Garden of Eden. And therefore we deal with our flesh and are unable to overcome it. And therefore, we need the Messiah, the Savior. It is summed up in two verses of the Bible. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And thankfully, Romans 6, 23 takes it from there. The wages of sin is death. We've all messed up. We're all floating down the boat or the stream of sin. But... The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? And I love the context of Romans 3.23 is that there is no distinction. All have sinned and fallen short, but grace is available. Jesus is here. Everyone, you can see him. Here he is. Here's the eyewitness testimonies. Here's who God is in focus, as we saw last week. Jesus Christ, born to save sinners. We all have sinned. The Baptist faith and message states it like this. Adam fell from his original innocence, whereupon his prosperity, which is the future generations, inherit a nature and an environment inclined toward sin. Therefore, as soon as they are capable of moral action, they become transgressors 
and are under condemnation. The only grace, and only the grace of God can bring man into his holy fellowship and enable man to fulfill the creative purpose of God. I, I love that. Like it's the, you know, oh, this is the problem. Here's the solution. Here it is. Here's the truth. The truth is a dividing line, right? This is yet a, another dividing line between believers in Christ and the world around us. We understand that there is a problem. We're the kid in the candy store, lost in the woods, that's like, ah, uh, I need mom and dad, right? You know, I'm, I'm lost. I need. Where the world is saying, no, I'm fine, it's fine, tis but a scratch. I'll make it. We need to see that there is a problem that we have sin and we cannot live in deception and find life. Those are literally opposed to each other. We can see it here that even if we stumble in a little, it means guilt. James states it like this, forever keeps the whole law, but fails in one point, has become guilty of it all. You can be the best there ever is, still not be to the standard we need to be. Even if we do all the good we can, we can see for see it truly for what it is. You know, if, if you're feeling good about yourself, just wait until Isaiah gets to you, right? He says, we have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like polluted, like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Our deeds, even if they do outdo the, the other do-gooders, right, cannot and will not measure up to the holy standards of God. And therefore, this is the amazing truth of Christianity. This is the light of Christianity that we are in need of this knowledge to know that we are a sinner. We are sinners in need of a great and awesome Savior and that we only need to accept Christ. And then we start this household journey that John continues us on. For he is here for us. John goes on in verse 9. He states, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All those iniquities, all those good deeds done, done for the wrong reason. He's able to cleanse us from all of our guilt. But we have to confess. We have to agree that we have all sinned. If we choose to expose ourselves to the true light, then we are forgiven. We are cleansed. That is what accepting Jesus does. That's, that's good news. By taking the free gift of God, we are no longer guilty. We are justified. John ends in verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, 
that his word is not in us. The question comes, which will we abide in? What will abide in us? Will his word or the current world? That is a question that faces us. Will we agree with the mantra, roll good here? Or will we stand with Christ and stay, stay, state it, I am unable, but he is able. The choice is here. Do we live in the lie or do we stand with the word? Do we abide in Christ? That the church would abide in the word of truth. That we would know the word, that we would fellowship with each other and with the Almighty. It's uh, just amazing. That we would speak the truth that Christianity offers to a lost world, a world hiding, a world heading in the wrong direction, heading in all the paths that lead to death. That we would, in Christ, stand in the truth revealed in Scripture. And turn your Bibles with me to Rome. Sorry, not Romans, Jude. Letter of Jude. I'd like to end with Jude 1, 24 and 25. About him who is able. About him who makes the darkness shudder or tremble. Right? Tremble? <laughs> Darkness cannot overcome him. Jude states this at the end of his little letter. Now to him who is able, Jesus, to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Christ Jesus, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. Hallelujah, right? Jesus is able. Jesus is able as we pass from this life to the next to hold us and take us. Jesus is able through the ups and downs to take us through it all because he is the good shepherd. And he is with us no matter what the storm. You know, we just got to wake him up. <laughs> so... Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you sent your son to save us sinners. We thank you on this cold day that we can just be together to pray and to praise you, to sing that you are a great and mighty God and that you have come for a wretch a wretch like me, or sinners like us. And no matter what our fallings and failings and everything, Lord, that if we cry out to you, if we accept Christ, we are able to be in this new household. And as we go on in the study and seeing the different measuring sticks, first joy and then first, what is the line of, of living? How do we walk as a believer what is our standard? Let it not be each other or other churches, Lord. Let it be you. 
that we would measure rightly and know what we ought to do and be about it. That we would walk with you, that we would abide with you. That as Erwin Luther put it, that we would deal with, with our sin first and then others. <laughs> as Jesus says it, that we would take the plank out of our own eye and then deal with a speck in our brother's that we would be a, a genuine community reaching out to those around us and offering the love of God, the fellowship of God found in Christ Jesus. And thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this time together. Uh, be with us. Uh, keep us safe and warm. And uh, lead us in your paths of righteousness as we lean upon your understanding and, and walking in this world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.